Rooted in Revenue with your host today, Susan Finch. Hi, everybody. Susan Finch here, your host for Rooted in Revenue. And I am here with somebody that I met through the Market Dominance Guys podcast, Sushi Perumwell. And he has something he posts on LinkedIn that got me so excited. And I want him to tell us all about flightlevel180.com and to hear more about the thinking behind it because it's unusual, but it's so logical. So I was really happy when Sushi made the time to be able to come on the show with me. So Sushi, welcome. Yeah, thank you very much, Susan. So happy to be here and uh, great to connect with you again. Um, so flight level 180. Um, so basically, you know, so when I exited my prior role, you know, I look back at what capabilities could have helped me go faster, better, cheaper, without all the enormous difficulty in, in getting a company launched. And a lot of people, you know, found out that I'm available and came knocking on my door and they had two things in common. <laughs> One is they had great business ideas and or some of them had already invested a lot of money and time in it, in, into, their, into their program, into their company, but they didn't get any traction and their technology wasn't where it needed to be to get to uh, the, the market fit, product market fit, they call it, right? So the idea behind Flight Level 180 was to um, provide them those capabilities, both in technology as well as in marketing and sales, which is highly unusual because you, you typically don't see those combinations come together. So it's really using an inventor's mindset to be able to deliver uh, the products, bring products to develop products and bring them to market. Well, one of the things that, I mean, I read on your site too, but I agree with you 100%. I think a lot of companies, especially when they have an idea and they're excited about it, they are tempted to skip two of the most important steps, and that is the vision alignment and the kickoff. And I have to put the brakes on so many clients and they'll say, why are we spending so much time talking about these things? Because you watch what's gonna happen by the end, we're gonna change everything before we're done because we haven't dug in deep enough. Absolutely, you know, so many clients, they they don't know who they're serving, right? They wanna be everything to everyone. So as part of the process, I first go through the founder story to make sure that there's a founder product fit first and really bring out people's strengths, their strengths, and and, and create that alignment with what the market is all about, with who they are serving first. Um, so alignment, is you hit the nail on the head. There is so much that we can talk about just alignment, the founder product alignment, founder team alignment, founder vendor alignment. Um, you know, when whenever I get my tires you know, replaced because I'm here in the Northeast and for the winter, I got to get my tires done for my for the summer, spring, I got to get the tires replaced again. And they do this tire rotation and alignment. And I think, oh my God, like this is what businesses need. They need the internal alignment to make sure they all have very extremely clear on who their market is, who they're serving, what the product is designed for, and the one problem it's it's going to do better than anybody else in the world. Oh, I, I agree, and I, I love that. Part of the alignment too, you were talking about the founder's story and you know that alignment for what they're actually thinking they're selling. I also find that very fascinating, interesting, frustrating that so many founders don't think that their story is important enough. 
that it's not right. that it's not interesting because they live and breathe it they don't realize how unusual how capable how wonderful how interesting how engaging and inviting they are with their story that they're dismissed right absolutely and i think a bit of that is uh, the you know as you said you know they are they're living with themselves for all these decades and it's also maybe a bit of an imposter syndrome some of them don't even want to tell they are the person behind the product because they are like, oh, who am I? Like, I haven't done anything. But I mean, like, you know, they are, they have such deep subject matter expertise and uh, they can unseat companies that have been around for years or even decades because of the insights and the expertise that they have, you know, in solving the problem for the market. So that's the number one goal is to do the founder story then come up with the vision and mission and, and the values. Oh my God, that's another one. Because if they are bringing on employees and, and looking to serve the market, they want to make sure that there's value alignment as well. Yes. So that's huge. It yeah. is. So I, I brought you on here kind of cold and I know more of your story and your experience. You fit that same profile. You're the type of person that you've gathered up all this diverse experience that you've had. And I'm going to have people, I'm going to ask you for the nutshell of your, your journey. Cause it's really cool. All the stuff that you have done and that you've Perfect. built and, and left and tried something new. And, but all of that's what gathers up and makes us interesting. and makes us who we are. I couldn't have nearly as many insights. And I have experiences going back to when I was in my late teens that I still pull forward. Absolutely. You know, those uh, early experiences, you know, stay with us and really shape us, yes. you know, to who we are. Um, I did an internship when I was in high school. It was just a three-month unpaid uh, internship term. And as many, as many young interns, you know, you just bring them in and just leave them alone and say, okay, hope, hope you, you know, you don't bother me. Right. <laughs> so, and so that's what happened to me. So I was brought into the, to this the Centennial College, which is a massive public college in, in, in the Toronto area. And uh, the gentleman was, is the, the CTO uh, practically of the college. And he just had a child. So he just dropped me, parachuted me in and left and I'm like, oh, what am I supposed to do, right? No, that's practically, you know, half my term that he was going to be back for. So I looked around and said, you know what? I'm going to organize a storage closet because it was just the catch-all for everything, like keyboard, mice, CD-ROMs, floppy disks, <laughs> right? Like everything. And the and the college used to just go and buy new things as opposed to just using what they have in this particular right. place. So when he came back, like everything was not only organized and in, in a nice, clean, ordered, practically alphabetically, but I had created a database and put that, this is like back in the days when, you know, there were no spreadsheets and right. like, you know, that was FileMaker Pro is what I used to create like a database so that you can find anything with a couple of strokes. And he was just floored. And I didn't think much of it. I said, I said, you know what? Like, I'm not going to sit here twiddling my thumbs. Right. Like, I'm going to do something. And this is why I'm here. For. And that's when he appreciated me for the initiative that I took. And I tried to instill that in every employee uh, that, is, that I've crossed paths with. Initiative is a, an attitude are the most valuable assets anyone can have, let alone, you know, early employees, right? 
I watch both of our children and, you know, my daughter has the nickname of, of the idea factory at the company she works for. And yeah, they say, like, okay, people. give me an idea. Give me an, it's constant. She says, it's a lot of work, mom. Wow. She said, I'm feeling kind of intimidated. They always want ideas. I said, cause your ideas are good and you're making profit for right, them with your yeah. ideas. So they like it. And then I watch my right. son, you know, Austin came home from college and for the break, and he went to work for some factory where all they did was open fold boxes. They made boxes, boxes and boxes and boxes. Okay. Put blankets right. and thermoses and stuff into mail off like for HubSpot and stuff. And got it. Then it was just kind of mundane, but they loved working with with Austin and his friends because of their attitude. They right. paid them that well. Is, it, it's huge. It, so it was perfect. That was a great break job. I could visit my friend all day long. We listened to music. We got to, you know, hang out. But he had that attitude. He says, I would never want to do this forever, but right. I'm not going to be miserable. And, and you, that's a valuable, valuable lesson in, in culture building and appreciating employees for the strengths that they bring. You know, just recognition goes a long way. And there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, absolutely. There is. But I wanted to move this down a little bit further because what Flight Level 180, some of your specialties it is exactly what a lot of companies need. And like you said, people come with an idea, a founder, a CEO, whoever it is, has the ideas, but they don't have their sales team. They don't have their go-to-market strategy. They don't, they don't have the time, nor do they have the time or desire to go find all the people to fill that properly and then supervise what's happening. So this sounds to me, this is what you guys do. I mean, you just- Oh, completely. And even, even established companies, you know, they have an initiative they want to tackle, mm -hmm. but they don't have the resources to do it. You know, they are existing employees are running 100 miles a minute. They are extremely busy in what they do. And the last thing they want is like another project from the boss. <laughs> right? And I was one of those bosses. So I was like, oh, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? You know, as an example, like I launched a magazine uh, for Max Sold. I love that like, magazine. <laughs> yeah. No, did I send them to you or you see them online? I, oh, I no, watched them. I view them right, online. You've seen them online, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And uh, and that was a marketing initiative and nobody wanted to run with it, right? I'm like, well, at this point, there were 40 people in the company. There's nobody I could give that project to just because they didn't have the, um, they weren't hired to be a self-starter in this particular category, right? Absolutely. Just to be able to like go and figure it out. So that's what I've always been good at is just working into that unknown into that fog and just being able to figure it out. So, so with this, you should see version one, like it was the worst, like it was just cobbled together. But then, you know, I think this, you know, by the time we got to like, you know, this is version 28, um, it became extremely presentable. Like people were emailing in, wanting it, uh, wanting it to be mailed to them, wanting it to, wanting to appear on it. It's just something some of these projects and the other, like, you know, if you want to set up a call center, I had to fly down to Latin America and set it up myself because it time was, I didn't have six months to get it dialed up. Right. So right. things like that, you know, you just need an external resource, not a consultant, but really an executioner, somebody who can go and execute and deliver them the outcome that they want which is what uh, the idea behind 180 is like, how do we deliver those outcomes? Consultants, coaches. I am one of those too. I do that, but I am also the person. There's value that, to that as well. There is, but right. there are times that you just need to just, okay, I approve of that. Just get this done. Right. Uh, absolutely. I've had um, 
six coaches, uh, Susan, like six paid coaches yep. uh, throughout my you know time at Maxwell. And every one of them bought some incredible insights and gave me amazing acceleration uh, to, you know, to what we were able to achieve. Um, but if I had someone alongside who is an ex who can execute, even if it's a vendor, like I've hired tons of vendors, right. but there was a big gap in just execution and speed, right? You know, speed is so important in today's world. And there are so many tools out there to go fast, um, but it's just being able to leverage these things to be able to get things done. Right. Iterate to bracket and outcomes. Talk to me about that. When, um, just like the magazine example, right? Uh, the first version, you know, you're not aiming for perfection, but you're perfecting along the way. So when I deployed an app for private pilots to fly their own airplanes, like version one, like I came up with like literally like your daughter, I would have come up, I came up with like 20 pages of like features. <laughs> it needs to have weather maps. It needs to have fuel prices. It needs to have this, that. And then I stripped it all down and said, okay, what's the one key hero feature? Like what's the one feature that's going to be in bold on the website that smacks people in the head that no product fills that gap today. So version one was just, deployed in like three weeks. And wow. this was an app to the App Store, Apple App Store with an Android test version. It was ready to go. And then you get feedback and then you iterate, make it better. And it continues to iterate and get better. Um, and that's a lot of um, companies uh, and and individuals, I don't think they appreciate the, the iterations that it, a product needs to take because they look at, even the light bulb, it took 10,000 iterations. The Kentucky Fried Chicken, <laughs> right? God, I haven't had that in like, in probably a decade, but that too took, uh, you know, thousands of iterations, right? And lots of door knocking. So I'm a big fan of iteration. It's probably my engineering mindset is, is iterate, iterate, iterate. Let's, you know, let's ship the thing. Let's get customer feedback. Let's not aim for perfection. No, and you don't have to have, because that's also too what paralyzes companies. It paralyzes everything. I'm working with a few real estate brokers right now, and they know this big list they need to have done. And yeah. it said, let's pick three things. And then let's put those in order. Absolutely. And get them done. And we can filter the other stuff in later. We can add yeah. all that in later. Because also, when you make it too big, you're talking about time being of the essence. If you make it too big, by the time you get to part of the list that you planned out so well, it's obsolete. And exactly. your methods to accomplish it are obsolete. Right. So iterations make way more sense because they stay so current and allow you to be nimble to adjust to new developments, new tools, new innovations. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better. We talked about being a consultant and you aren't consultants. What's the difference between a consultant and what you guys do? Um, it's, um, I think it lies on the execution. It's saying it's not just giving advice and not taking ownership of the outcomes. It's really taking ownership of the outcomes. I know I don't even like the word vendors, right? It's word, it's being, partners. It's, yeah, partners, right? Like, you know, it's being part of a leadership team bringing that strategic C-level insight 
and and knowing having been that done that um or even if you haven't been that done that like just figuring it out and pulling it all together and delivering them the outcomes that uh, that they were looking for uh, and fast <laughs> right? because you know you just you know, we, we spoke about speed but there's also motivation that wanes you know the one of the products i'm working with um right now it's a real estate investment analysis tool called uh, burbot b r r r r b o t dot a i okay <laughs> right so you 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 plug in all your data it's for property investors real estate property investors it gives you analytics about what you're going to invest in so that you can build confidence and you can present to your banker and financier and and to your spouse and others to be able to uh, you know, engage in this project, right? You know, to be able to, you know, go out and get a credit to the, do the real estate investments. So long story short, we look at time to value. So as soon as they sign you on, you want them to like say, aha, this is why I hired you. This is why we signed up to the product. So they call it the time to value. If the time to value is too long, you know, they just say, you know what, like a couple, a month or two or three later, they're like, oh, you know what, like it's not working out. So you get that churn. But when customers come to me, they they really want to stay on, even if it's at a reduced scope, to be that advisor so that they can they can bring me on as soon as they are ready to go with another project. So it's just because, you know, I focus on giving them that value, enormous value for whatever it is that they're getting me for, the time to value. The speed with this is just like, how do we get the speed time to value as users? So right. within three months, not only we refined the tool, but we monetized it. They're now paying users onto the tool when it's been a year and a half, almost two years since this idea started. Ah, so, I love those timelines. Nice. Those are the happy endings. Right, yes. Knock on wood, no bad endings yet. <laughs> not on my watch. So out of all the steps, and you still haven't given us a hint, what has led you, Mr. Pilot, to where you are? I mean, you have had so many things. You talked about your internship, and then we just skipped back to flight level 180. Talk to me a little bit about your history, what came between those two things. Okay, yeah, so (laughs) absolutely. So after that high school internship, I landed in an engineering program. Um, it's a five-year program. It's a four-year engineering degree that stretched out to five so that management courses could be put in the gaps. So right from the beginning, I knew I was interested in both technology and management. So I was interested, deeply interested in both for whatever reason, because I think, you know, just, I just wanted to understand how the world works. And, and a lot of it is HR, finance, marketing, sales. So that's what led me to say, okay, I'm not going to do purely engineering. I want to also do marketing. So I found this program that had both, with most of it being in engineering. Um, so during the time I had to sustain myself. So I had two jobs while going to university and then jobs for the all of you know, the, my summer months. Right. Um, and at the university, I was a residence don, like not in my first year, it was in my second year that I became a residence don, and I stayed with it throughout. Those were great training grounds 
to really understand <laughs> people. Oh, I bet. There's, you know, everything from underage drinking to roommate-ish. You know, these kids haven't shared a room in their lives. Yes. And now they have to share a room with a stranger. <laughs> right? So just uh, the human, you know, relations of psychology, like I've never done a psychology degree, but, but I just... I can appreciate how much goes into <laughs> just getting two people to get along because you can't just say, oh, you know, okay, you get your own room now. You know, they're they're going to be together for the rest of the semester. So, so there's a lot of counseling. There's a lot of um, being really firm about things like underage drinking, um, about late night partying, quiet times, all of those things. So it's really the bad cop. But you have to do it in a way that is that's respectful as well. And which is why, you know, the residents really looked up to me because they said, oh, you know, how, how could somebody be both fair and firm? Uh, that's that's the fine line you need to walk. And so, and then the second job was the website for the students union. And that's uh -huh. where I got really good at my technical things uh -huh. and also getting user requirements and translating those requirements into products. Um, and as you know, uh, you know, people come to you and say, I want all of this. They're waving their arms. They're like, you know, sketching stuff on the whiteboard. And there's a miracle moment. And this is what it needs to do. So really um, iterating through and delivering those things to them. Uh, really, that's how I really cut my teeth and like map, like you talked about priorities, managing priorities and managing the resources that I have. Mm -hmm. And then, so graduated, landed at Bell Canada, which was one of my summer jobs at Bell. And uh, and there, same thing. I was thrown into a room, left alone for the summer <laughs> because everybody was on summer vacation. <laughs> and and they said, you got to figure this product out. Like your summer job is to figure this out or your, you know, your you know first job is to figure this out. Um, so I had no resources, right? Like, you know, that floor... Nobody worked there other than the you know the call center people, like because I was in the Bell Systems and Technologies division, but everybody else they were call center people, so they couldn't help me at all. You know, this is we are exploring brand new technologies. So I knocked on the door of Norchel and said, "This is your product. You're going to help me with this, <laughs> right?" And you know, as a as a junior employee that wasn't even given the contact number to Norchel. And and I wrote like this 200 page report when she was back from vacation, right? And and she was just floored. She said, Sushi, like you're the most resourceful person I've ever met, period. You deserve a raise, you deserve a promotion. So went from a business systems analyst to an associate director, like a no, senior business systems analyst and then an associate director. And then I figured if I'm going to be the CEO of Bell, not ambitious at all, right? I need to get an MBA. So, so that's what led me to getting an MBA at um, you know at the Smith School of Business at Queen's University. <laughs> <laughs> so quite the quite the adventure. It has been. So the name Flight Level One Eighty. I read the history on that, but I know. I mean, flight is just near and dear to you it is a part of you in every way you talked about that app you have developed right continue to develop and everything about you is about flight your analogies the things you post everything because that's who you are and that's part of your you know story your origin story 
Right, exactly. And and you know, when when I was working at Bell, uh, the airport, um, this is what I imagine, you know, the the Chicago Megs field is is like, you know, like it's that airport no longer exists, but like sitting across from it from the towers, you see airplanes go up and down all day long. This particular one is the Toronto Billy Bishop Airport. I just saw airplanes go up and down all day long. And just out of curiosity, I I walked up there and said, let me sign up for a flight lesson. And big mistake, <laughs> right? Or a big blessing, because that kept me out of trouble. Like, you know, there was no um, leftover money for anything else. There's no tea television. There was there were no clubbing, no partying, no drinking. Like every <laughs> single like time as well as money went towards flight training. And and growing up, I, I was raised in the mountains, uh, 6,000 feet above sea level. So I've always had, you know, fascination from like just looking at vistas. And that's what I miss. I know about being in a flat country, flat part of the country, which is why I think flight has always been a fascination since as a child. And with, you know, with uh, being able to fly, that closed that gap and being able to experience the same views and seeing the world from above. So, <laughs> so I did my flight training. Uh, I got a private pilot license, night rating, instrument rating, commercial rating, because when, when you're not learning, you start to you know get get a little rusty and you yes. know to to just be proficient at it, you, know, you gotta continue it. And now now I've done my integrated airline transport rating, which is one step before the airline transport rating designation just so that I can have it because that's the highest level you can attain as, <laughs> as a pilot. <laughs> so I figured, why not? <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm at 1400 hours. You need only 1500 hours, you know, so a hundred more hours to go. And then I need to write these, you know, two exams that are. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is, right. That's who should be running the world or the people that want yeah. to be curious, the ones that, Oh, know absolutely. that you must always keep learning. You can never say, I have enough. Exactly. You have to, because we're behind the day we stop, we're already behind because yeah, we absolutely. weren't able to cram in everything that's available to us. So if right. we stop, you're really going behind. I've been spending last week with a friend working on some AI certifications and things, but not just, you know, oh, I just want to learn prompt engineering. I want to learn with her. She's working and I'm helping her market what she does, which is she's an, a business architect. Okay. We'll go yeah. in and she sets up systems, business systems for companies, helps them run it or sets it up and then says, okay, you go do it. And, but that's what she does. I mean, she sees it like an right. architect would. Exactly. And so now she's expanding it to include generative AI and incorporating because I told her she was asking me for my pain points. I said, I know what I need to know. I know it, but right. I can't decide which is the best path. So I spend money and time. Yeah. And then say that wasn't it. And I need to spend right. money and time and that wasn't it. Right. And so we need guides. We need guides like you, like flight level 180. That, I mean, that's the same kind of thing. It's just a different scale. Absolutely. Yeah. When when there's you know strategy and priorities, you mm -hmm. you cut through the noise. You do. Right, it and does. that's one of the things that I help with. Um. So yes, yeah, so after that, you know, because of my background and my fascination for flying, I tried to start an airline after I graduated <laughs> from the that MBA. That story. 
Uh, because it's a small, you know, the the town that we live in, you know, don't you don't have access to an airline, right. and any major airline is two and a half, three and a half hours away. So I figured, you know what, like everybody needs to experience the same convenience that I experienced, which is, you know, jumping in, going to a meeting in New York in an hour and a half, being back in time for for lunch event, right? Like having a breakfast meeting, coming back, or back in time to pick up your kids from school. And the timing is everything, right? So it was 2008. The timing was right in terms of new new technologies coming out um, with very light jets, which are incredibly fuel efficient, a tenth of the capital of these bigger jets that were available in the market were starting to come out. Eclipse was the first company, then there was um, Cessna came out with one, Phenom and Embraer, like Embraer, you know, came out with one Phenom 100. So all these planes were coming to the market and it was really disrupting the the air transportation industry. Yes. And thought, what a great opportunity because it is about timing, right? So, but to fund an airline, as you know, it's going to take a lot of money and 2008 wasn't a good time to raise money. <laughs> no, I so, yeah, <laughs> despite having worked for like an entire year in pulling the business plan together, building the marketing list, uh, getting people's case studies by borrowing airplanes to fly people to their destinations so that I can just get case studies. I can just get, you know, they are their proof of concept. Mm-hmm. It opened me up to not being afraid of like knocking on doors or cold calling because that's how you develop a market, right? When, when it's not handed to you. And also being extremely frugal because at that point, like I, I didn't have any funding. So it's just being very frugal saying, okay, if something costs 10,000, how do I do it with a hundred dollars? Right? <laughs> and those shortcuts do exist, but when people have more money, they don't realize that those shortcuts exist. They don't even look for them. Um, so that's one of the things I help companies with is giving enormous shortcuts to the capabilities that they need. You know, this one particular tool uh, that I'm helping with that I mentioned earlier needed a knowledge base, needed a login feature, needed um, billing features, needed, you know, support uh, help desk. So all of that was achieved with $40 a month. So this would have taken the developer a good year to build building all of these things one at a time or going to different products like Zendesk and, right. and Okta and other things and clobbing it all together, which you have done before because this one-stop right. tool didn't exist. But now, you know, there are so many tools that exist. One just needs to look deep, look hard, network, talk to people, you know, and, and come up with the solution and see, you know, what, what tools are out there that fit that need. I think sometimes though, yes, you need to find people that can do that to save the corners, but you need a guide that knows how to ask people for the right. thing that you need. I find right. for me, sometimes that's difficult. I have a scope in my head, but I don't want to make it such a narrow path that they think they have to go down my path. I want people to come with, oh, but if we just did these three things, you get the same goals. And it's learning how to position it, to phrase it. Absolutely. And one of the business decisions to make is, you know, should this be a freemium product or should this be a paid product? So what I do is I put together a narrative that speaks to the pros and cons of both. 
and say, this is what I recommend. As opposed to saying, oh, you know what, we got to go with the freemium or we got to go with, you know, with the, because then there's no justification on the reasons why there was no like research and, and that's adapted to this particular type of product for this particular type of customer. So just being able to um, back up some of your gut with some of the research, some of the latest developments. And that's the other thing I found too, is that some of the advice and, and input was, you know, was relevant. You know, even some of the things that I do, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, that has evolved. So there's probably another tool out there. Right. Or maybe that line of thinking isn't relevant anymore. Let's look at, that's why I'm constantly reading anywhere between, you know, 20 to 30 books, I would say a year. Um, so I was actually about to post one on LinkedIn on all the books that I read this past year. Um, and I was going to take, you know, Cat in the Hat and other books out of it that I read for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> but the business books, I was going to, you know, list it all and uh, and and say, you know what, leaders are learners and you just need to update your operating system that's between your years continuously. You know, our smartphone, you know, it gets updated like every once every couple of weeks, it says, right. oh, new iOS update happening tonight. And in the meantime, like all the apps that we have are constantly patched. But what's between our years need that sort of um, updates. <laughs> right? So the updates I get are from the enormous knowledge that comes out of LinkedIn, uh, books, podcasts, such as, uh, such as yours and, uh, and Chris's. So they are all like such amazing resources. YouTube is another amazing resource, right? You no, know, McKinsey, you know, they they produce some incredible content. Uh, so there's a lot out there. And Harvard, I know I, I pay for some Harvard case studies. There's just so much knowledge out there. It's just making the time and being curious to be able to dig into. Sushi, this has been, I was so excited to have you on because I wanted, I want to have time with you too. But yeah. to hear the direction and to introduce others to what you can do for them. Amazing. That Thank you. Me. That excites Amazing. me. <laughs> Thank you. So, a wonderful visit. So appreciated. So everybody can find you on LinkedIn, of course, but they can also just go to flight level 180. That's the number 180.com. All one word. Correct. And all you word. learn what you need to know to know that you need to contact Sushi and his team because they can probably help you get to where your vision will end up. It might not be there yet. Right, yes. But he can get you there. <laughs> and you can find right. us at Rooted in Revenue on any of your podcast apps. You can find us at rootedinrevenue.com, part of the Funnel Radio Network. Thank you so much for joining us. Good. Thank you for having me, Susan. Never miss an episode. Check out rootedinrevenue.com and subscribe on the site to get weekly updates of when new episodes come out. Or find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. So go subscribe. We'll get you all the information you need to do your best with marketing and your online presence. <laughs>